It's 6 p.m., and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Tuesday, July 25th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. It's been hot in California, and 100 lawmakers, including state representatives, are calling for new heat illness protections for workers. If approved, those protections would be implemented immediately. The California Report has the story. Then, after a look at local news and weather, KVMR's Paul Emery and hydrogeologist Steve Baker bring us the latest news about all things water. That's all before a commentary from Mark Cunaberti. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. New data shows California has taken one in five people off Medi-Cal in its first month of the renewal process. Medi-Cal is the state's health insurance program for its poorest residents. Cap Radio's healthcare reporter Kate Wolf has more. When the COVID-19 public health emergency ended, California began the year-long process of determining if people enrolled were still eligible for Medi-Cal. In June, 225,000 residents lost their coverage. J.C. Cooper oversees the Medi-Cal program. She says that number may sound big, but it's smaller than they expected. We will continue to work with our county partners to make sure that we can kind of sustain what we're currently seeing in the system. People who were disenrolled but think they're still eligible have a few months to reach out to their local Medi-Cal office. For The California Report, I'm Kate Wolf. California representatives in D.C. have joined more than 100 lawmakers calling for new heat illness protections for workers. KQED's labor correspondent Farida Javala Romero reports lawmakers want these protections implemented right away. Some states, like California, have rules to prevent heat illness and death. But federal regulators are years deep into a rule-crafting process that could take even more years. Members of Congress say the Occupational Safety and Health Administration needs to start requiring employers to provide things like water and shade as soon as possible. Senator Alex Padillas' office says he plans to introduce a bill this week that would push the agency to finish faster. In the meantime, OSHA says it is stepping up enforcement. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. The Hollywood strikes this time are different from those of the past, and not just because the technology has changed. Silicon Valley has taken over Hollywood, and as KQED's Rachel Myro reports, big tech has an established anti-union bent. Dozens of SAG-AFTRA members rallied outside of Netflix headquarters in Los Gatos last week. Netflix, of course, is the streaming monster that redefined the entertainment business 16 years ago, and it continues to dominate today. You know, tech is only going to grow. You know, uh, streaming is only going to grow. So all we're asking is that we grow with it. Actor Rajiv Shah of Los Gatos has been a SAG-AFTRA member for more than 20 years. Shah says he's prepared to stay off movie and TV sets for as long as necessary to extract what he considers an equitable contract from the biggest companies in the business, like Netflix, Amazon, and Apple. What everybody understands is this is setting a precedent for what's going to come in the future because you see it in the gig economy, you see how people are... um, 
the work is being utilized, but not fairly compensated. This wouldn't be the first time big tech goes up against big labor. In the state legislature, the courts, and at the ballot box, gigification has disrupted multiple labor markets, primarily taking money out of the pockets of rank-and-file workers and shifting it to the pockets of executives and investors. SAG-AFTRA President Fran Drescher said as much, announcing the strike. Employers make Wall Street and greed their priority, and they forget about the essential contributors that make the machine run. In the latest Netflix earnings call last week, co-CEO Ted Sarandis was careful to note he was raised in a union household before he echoed the party line put forward by the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. We're super committed to getting to an agreement as soon as possible, one that's equitable, uh, and one that enables the, in- the industry and everybody in it to move forward into the future. Last year, by the way, he made more than $50 million. Not as much as some CEOs, but it's a storyline that sticks in the craw of Writers Guild of America member Paola Tapia Limon of Los Angeles. <laughs> My last episode aired a while ago, and I, I did get residuals, but it- it's still... A ridiculous amount. Even during what's called the golden age of streaming TV, with the rise of the writer-producer, the showrunner, compensation for most writers has stagnated. And just as Hollywood finally began to diversify in a meaningful way, allowing more people like Tapia Limon to build a middle-class career. Now, Hollywood producers have played hardball in every labor conflict for more than a century, and fuzzy accounting predates the entry of big tech. But she says for companies like Apple and Amazon anyways, entertainment is just one of many things they do. Yes, there's always greed and there's always been people wanting to make, you know, the best product with the least amount of money. But I think that at least those people respected the art form, which I think now the new people running these companies, especially the tech companies, they don't care. It's just money to them. So what happens next? Well, you know the answer to that. AI. The writers and actors I talked to for this story all said they know they've got a limited window of opportunity before the big companies figure out how to minimize the human contributions to entertainment. The humans figure this is the last time they'll be in a position to negotiate. For The California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. Many KQED staffers are members of SAG-AFTRA, but broadcast journalists have a different contract than the Hollywood actors. And while most Hollywood film and TV shoots have been put on hold due to the actors' and writers' strikes, a handful are moving forward as scheduled. And that includes season two of the hit HBO series The House of the Dragon. Before you consider boycotting the show, you should know the scripts for the prequel to Game of Thrones were completed before the writers' strike began in early May. And the actors are part of the British Union Equity and not SAG-AFTRA. In a blog post, author and producer of the series, George R.R. Martin, said that while members of Equity support the strike, British law forbids them from staging a sympathy strike. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 850 drop-off sites in California, where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline. The California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation 
working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, July 25th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, a portion of Donner Pass Road, also referred to as Old Highway 40 and located about one mile west of Donner Lake, is anticipated to reopen on Labor Day weekend. It currently remains closed to traffic due to a potentially unsafe rockfall. For public safety, the rockfall area is closed to all activities such as hiking, biking, and climbing, although many recreational opportunities and access to local businesses or restaurants remain available just above and just below the closed area. Nevada County Public Works closed the section after a 40-ton rock mass fell into the roadway in June. The road will be opened after geotechnical studies are completed, the slope is stabilized, and repairs to the road, guardrail, and retaining wall are completed. Additionally, Herbach General Engineering will begin to work on final touches like striping, ditch reshaping, and signage repairs on the Donner Pass Road Improvement Project above and below the road closure. That began yesterday on Monday, July 24th. Herbach will try to minimize delays and use one-way traffic controls. You can follow along with past and current project updates at www.nevadacountyca.gov slash Donner Pass Road Construction or view the location of the road closure on the Public Works Road Conditions and Closures map at www.nevadacountyca.gov slash roadclosures. That's all according to UBANET. The union is reporting that Grass Valley Mayor Jan Arbuckle has begun opening her doors to a tradition she's calling Mondays with the Mayor. It's a kind of weekly meeting where citizens are welcome to sit down and chat with her from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. in City Hall, which is located on East Main Street. Yesterday was the inaugural occasion with the intention of letting people ask questions or share insights regarding policies, plans, or problems that neighbors have in the city. And while only two others aside from the union stopped by, Arbuckle says that she hopes to reignite this once successful tradition for City Hall. During these chat sessions, citizens have the opportunity to learn more about relevant upcoming events and happenings. When asked about what project she's most excited about, Mayor Arbuckle said that the plans to expand the Wolf Creek Trail were at the top of her list. Who would have ever known that the sinkhole would turn out to be a positive thing, she said. Grass Valley purchased just over a half acre of land at the former site of a 100-foot deep sinkhole that opened up off of Freeman Lane when storms in January of 2017 caused a pinched culvert to fail. That sinkhole became the site of a trailhead, leading to a walkway along Little Wolf Creek. Grass Valley now has plans to expand the creek trail throughout the city's limits. Mayor Arbuckle encourages everyone to check out updates on the Grass Valley website or on social media to keep in touch with issues and events like the Wolf Creek Trail expansion happening all throughout the city. And if you're interested, perhaps consider attending a Monday morning chat. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 64, Wednesday sunny with a high near 90, Wednesday night, clear with a low around 62. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 49. Wednesday, sunny with a high near 81. And Wednesday night, clear with a low around 48. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, 
Tonight, clear with a low around 63. Wednesday, sunny with a high near 92. Wednesday night, clear with a low around 60. There are currently no red flag warnings or fire weather watches. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Historically, scientists have believed that wildfire impacts watersheds by creating a waxy soil surface in which filtration becomes minimal. However, new studies are revealing that the root cause of fire-related water issues may be entirely different. Up next, KVMR's Paul Emery and hydrogeologist Steve Baker explore that and more in the latest edition of Water News. The Water News is sponsored by Clearwater and Filtration offering solutions for water quality, well operations, maintenance, and water storage management problems. Steve, what about our scientists' opinions about post-wildfire soil impacts in our watersheds? Yeah, uh, probably many of the listeners have already heard this, but it's always been thought that uh, there's more erosion after you have a big burn on a, on a uh, piece of our watershed and, you know, because there's less vegetation. And also it creates, because the temperatures are so hot, it creates this impermeable waxy soil surface where infiltration becomes minimal and it's mostly runoff. And, of course, that's why we end up with more uh, flooding issues down gradient. Well, now there's research. University of Michigan, U.S. Geological Survey, and Rutgers University, they've been monitoring two wet seasons after a wildfire that occurred over at Bobcat Fire. I think that's the San Gabriel Mountains. And they've been monitoring since December 2020, continued that monitoring till March of 2022. Now, they have concluded that water was being absorbed into this waxy soil. It's not being repelled. So totally the opposite of opinion. The, the trees in unburnt areas, well, they're behaving the same. They're absorbing as predicted. Uh, the increase in water in the rivers uh, that uh, are located within the burnt areas are s- significant. And they feel that it is not because of the soil, but instead it's because of the root systems of these of these old veg- the vegetations. And to me, this sounds like there's limited space for absorbed water to go, right? You have burnt vegetation. Well, that doesn't have a whole lot of real estate anymore. So where's it going to go? It's going to flow down gradient and get into our rivers and cause flooding. Well, that seems to be a total reversal of thinking. Are you aware of any other changes of opinion in the world of water? Ah, it's now being recognized that produced water, now the produced water is what's produced when you're uh, drilling and preparing an oil well. Produced water that's generated from fracking has the same highly toxic chemicals as conventional operations from, from drilling an oil well, okay? Now, water from fracking is not allowed to be used for irrigation afterwards. And conventional oil operations do allow that water to be used for irrigation. Well, there's a bit of a problem because that water is toxic. 
So there are now discussions that we need to look at long-term consequences. And that means that we have to ask the question, is there any bioaccumulation or any ecological risks associated with long-term exposures? And, and this is through time. Now, they're, they're referring to things like nuts and, and, and uh, fruits like oranges and, and grapes. So that opinion that we have had in the past and uh, have been allowing through our legislative process may begin to change pretty soon. Uh, one more question, Steve. Uh, sometimes I've, I've, I've looked at other areas as a way of recognizing what may be needed in our own neighborhoods. Do you do the same yourself? I do. And right now, Arizona is on my radar. Uh, they're groundwater supplies are, are unregulated like us, and their rural areas are relying on groundwater. So there's a bit of a vulnerability there. For Arizona, they've attempted in the past to pass a statewide groundwater law, but the rural water users push back on that. So what ultimately happened was that only urban water users became regulated. Well, the regulators assumed that, uh, you know, that's okay because eventually uh, it will happen. But you know what? It's been years and it never did happen. So some 80% of the state is not, is not uh, really protective of their groundwater. So now what's happening is people's wells are going dry. And there's absolutely nothing that they can do about it. Uh, what is interesting is, think about it, Arizona is a business-friendly state. It's very Republican. And they're questioning why nothing's being done to solve this lack of groundwater problem. You know, it's, it's, this, so they're the ones that are actually pushing this. And when they try to pass groundwater bills, they die in committee, usually. So uh, let's see, I think it was this past April, the Arizona legislature, they appointed their own committee, okay, that's going to be looking into this. They're going to start studying uh, the Arizona water supply. And what I'm thinking is, you know, looking at Arizona, maybe Nevada County can start its own committee also to look at the vulnerabilities that our own citizens have with their groundwater supply and possibly come up with some approaches that we, we can create to respond to that in a very fair way. Because, hey, bottom line, nobody wants to lose their groundwater supply. Thank you, Steve. You bet. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co. In the stock market, exponential growth can often end in abrupt, merciless downfalls. Last week, seven exceedingly popular stocks met that exact fate. Coming up, Mark Cunaberti brings us a commentary. In it, he discusses why refraining from hopping on any kind of investment bandwagon might be beneficial to you in the long run. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. What goes up might come down. Yes, I know the real saying is what goes up must come down, but when it comes to stocks... 
might come down is more appropriate. Actually, it is better to say what goes up real fast often comes down the same way, and the latest in a handful of stocks in the stock market certainly look to be fulfilling that prognostication, with the latest stock market rally being heavily carried by only seven or so stocks. These particular stocks ran ballistically, almost straight up, without a hiccup, without getting into what seven stocks they were. Just know their weighted average in a popular index is significant, and these seven stocks ran hard and fast. Most of their charts are almost straight up. It got to a point where the FOMO emotion may have brought the last buyers in. FOMO meaning fear of missing out. It's usually not the best of ideas to jump into straight-up stocks and chase ballistic prices, but many do. It's where FOMO got its name and likely what causes these manic stock behaviors when prices rise so relentlessly and just keep rising. Historically, price rises exhibiting straight-up chart patterns can come down hard and fast as the buyers that rushed into a stock a short time ago then rush all at once for the exits. Such a thing occurred last week as the illustrious seven stocks dropped like stones in a mass everybody-out moment. The stock market can be like that, kind of like fame, which is fleeting. One day a stock or a group of stocks can do no wrong, then the next day everybody bails out, leaving the last buyers who got in holding the proverbial bag of losses. Common sense might lead you to think there is something wrong with a company or a group of companies when people massively dump stock in a short amount of time. What many people don't realize, however, is the stock market is a market of company stocks, but not a market of companies. What I mean by that is why the company lobbies and their boardrooms and their financials might be totally stable, the stocks of those companies could be in total turmoil. Stock prices are moved by investors, analysts, people that are business savvy and people that are not, and a whole bunch of other people around the world. I can best sum this up by saying the market will reflect reality eventually, but its day-to-day movements are just the sum of all the beliefs at that moment of time and of all the players in it. Many people fail to realize the market can have movements of its own that can be entirely separate from what and how the companies in it are doing financially. Put simply, don't get caught up in the day-to-day or week-to-week movement of a stock or group of stocks. Many might add that certainly don't chase a stock if it's running, although it's probably a good bet many investors have done it at one time or another, and I'm guilty of that. For now, however, because the Magic 7 stocks that have been the focus of many buyers in the last few months may be falling hard, investors may be seeing some red and starting to worry. Although no one can predict market movements at any time, it may be best to focus on just buying good companies with solid financials and good prospects rather than follow the crowd as it ebbs in and out of a hot stock. Use patience. Perhaps average in your buys over a long period of time. Do your research or seek out the services of a financial professional if this whole stock market thing seems a bit like overwhelming or just doesn't make much sense. That's it for today's Money Matters, and I'm watching the market so you don't have to. And remember, the newscast expresses my opinion only, is not meant as investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell anything, nor represents the opinion of any bank, investment firm, or registered investment advisor, nor this media outlet, its staff, members, or underwriters. I hold a Bachelor of Arts in Economics with Honors in 1979 and California Insurance License OL34249. 
Our website is moneymanagementradio.com, where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Cunaberti. That's our newscast for this Tuesday, July 25th. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and from Alpine Aviation since 1990, offering business and personal airplane flights with personalized schedules and destinations, plus local area scenic flights, located at the Nevada County Airport off Loma Rica Drive in Grass Valley. More information at flyalpine.com. And Four Paws Animal Clinic. Doctors Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions. On Searles Avenue in Nevada City. Fourpawsac.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night. Thank you.